is generative AI going to have an effect on corporate learning? Nah, nah just kidding. No, of course it is. We've been thinking about it. We've been talking about it. And today we're going to talk about it even more with the CEO and founder of Tailspin. Mr. Kyle Jackson is our guest on this episode of the Learning Geeks podcast, starting now. Hello, 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 everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Good Welcome. Friday afternoon. Yep. Good Friday. It's not Good Friday, but it is a good Friday. It's a good Friday. Yeah. Every Friday is a good Friday. <laughs> Every Friday is. Leading into the weekend. Yeah. And actually, we're recording this heading into a long weekend. Yep. Jake, are you are you off Monday and Tuesday? I'm not off Monday. I'm off Tuesday. Yeah. And then I am taking a rescheduled uh, PTO trip. I'm trying again because the first time I had COVID. So we'll see if I can right. actually make it through this time. And you had just been through the uh, wildfire smoke up in New York. Yeah, if I remember four correctly. days, four days here of pretty bad quality. And yesterday was the first day that I was able to actually get out, go for a run and not feel like I smoked a pack of cigarettes. I don't know what that feels like, but I've, I've been but, told that's but, what it feels like. I can imagine. <laughs> what was your time, Jake? <laughs> right. Dana, are you taking off Monday and Tuesday? It's probably something we should have discussed. but Definitely Tuesday. Monday, um, I'm going to be stealth working, if you know yeah. what I mean. I like I those I've, days. I've got one meeting. Kyle, how about you? I mean, you're you're the CEO of a startup. I know you never take a day off, but yeah, that's kind of the, the gig. <laughs> and, and then and then Adam moved to Singapore in the mix, and I'm like full sprint to the plane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. We've got Kyle on one of his last days uh, in the United States as a U.S. resident. Uh, he's moving off to Singapore, so we'll miss him down here in L.A. But uh, I know we will definitely be in touch and keep working. So yeah, well, I'm gonna drag you to Singapore as well. Well, hey, anytime, I would be happy yeah, to be right? happy to take that trip. Love Singapore. Yeah. Um, well, guys, let's let's go ahead and dive into it. Uh, Kyle, you know, we like I teased in the cold open. We have been talking and thinking about, but on this podcast, we've been talking a lot about generative AI for learning and the impact that we're gonna have. Uh, you and I have been professionally talking about it quite a bit, so we wanted to have you on and. Uh, you actually came to our, our Accenture group and gave a very well-received talk on um, on your thoughts and our thoughts about where this was all going. And so we wanted to have you come on and, and share that a little bit. So I might just start with giving you you know some airtime here to give an overview of, of where you're at and what you're thinking and, and uh, what you've learned about that. And who you are too, sort of for listening. Yeah. Well. well, that would help. That would see. It's like we have my friends on, and then I forget that not everybody. <laughs> You've knows done that before, well. where we've had a I guest, have. and then and then it was they someone gave their intro, or not intro, but talked about whatever for five minutes, and you're like, oh yeah, can you tell us I who should, you are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So start with that, Kyle. Who Kyle? Who are you again? I'm going to make a little cue card, so when this happens, I can just hold it up to our video. Okay. Like, Bob. Yeah, so I, I uh, so I'm like Bob said, I'm a CEO of a company called Tailspin. We've been focused on uh, immersive learning now for about eight years, and the genesis of that journey was was kind of um, almost predicting this moment that we're now in, uh, and and so kind of how it came to be was, um, you know, I, I lived a, a prior life in media and entertainment, and um, and got you know good fortune to kind of be on like the cutting bleeding edge of a whole bunch of new workflows and technologies. And, um, and back in like 2010, 
um, started to be pulled into computer vision, your um, virtual production and machine learning applications within that context. And so as I started to like wade through the, the crazy sea of different innovations and attending all sorts of like, you know, dingy basement AI meetups and stuff like that back then, I went, holy crap, this is, this is, um, this is really impactful stuff. And if we really start to extrapolate this out a bit, we got some pretty substantial changes coming to the way we work. And so then I then I kind of got um, semi obsessed, I would say, with with trying to chase down every think tank or white paper that was being you know written or or pontificated about back then, uh, as to just kind of like what are the potential realities of work going forward. Um, there wasn't a lot, you know, at that stage. There was some some early kind of musings, but then. Um, that kind of collided with, you know, um, the uptick in interest in VR and immersive. And of course, in those early days, like 2012, 2013, 2014, there was a lot of people who thought VR was going to become like a big consumer, uh, uh, you know, adoption wave right away. And um, and so there was a ton of money piling into it. Uh, myself and Steven, my co-founder, we had backgrounds where people would reach out to us and go, hey, you guys can help us through this mess. Like, what's going on? What should we do next? Yeah, and we're like, uh, yeah, well, we think you're wrong on that it's going to be a, a massive industry in one year, um, but we're happy to like listen to what you're thinking. So we, we kind of used it as an excuse to start to wade into this problem where we said, you know, actually, the thing that may be interesting about this is this modality um, and this kind of impending wave of, of like really massive transformation might actually collide in a meaningful way. And so we said, what if we, uh, what if we spent some time kind of proving, you know, out some of the kind of principles of of the from the learning aspect of why it matters. Um, and so we did that first. Um, but along that journey, you know, we started to to you know we we're continuing to monitor kind of like the the progress of large language models and other other you know computer vision and AI tech. And um, and of course now here we are. Fast forward, you know, seven eight years. It's like it, you know it's it's no longer a kind of you know, predictive. Um, and somewhere along that way, we went, okay, um, we were watching those kind of skills uh, charts, right? Saying, hey, these are the top 10, top 20, most in demand. Right. And we kept, we kept seeing certain kinds of things trend up. And so we decided, well, let's take this, this, this kind of, you know, everything that we're learning about immersive technology and large language models, and let's apply it to those skill areas. Because those are the ones that in theory should increase in value if everybody's right. <laughs> And so we focused on kind of those, that conversational, you know, uh, simulation or soft skills area. Um, but we're deploying a lot of these kind of AI technologies, you know, behind the scenes to try to, you know, rise to the challenge here. So um, been swimming in it for, for what feels like a really long time at this point, but um, also like just completely shocked at, you know, how quickly things move now. Yeah. Kyle, you said that you were in kind of the media and entertainment area. What brought you into the learning part of things? Um, so after like 15 plus years, I, you know, I, I had been across like financing films and TV and, and post-production and visual effects and a whole bunch of different things. And so um, was ready to kind of look for a change. And just this passion kind of started to, to get more and more. Actually, it started as anxiety. Like, why aren't people doing <laughs> about this right <laughs> yeah yeah it's like a really big problem we should be paying attention to and then it just turned into a passion uh and i've always been a a very very curious like person i i can't help but just kind of just i'm a rabid learner and so i went okay well maybe maybe i have a unique 
you know, unique set of skills. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as uh, Liam Neeson would Liam say, Neeson, right? That's right. <laughs> Um, which I think in this particular case, again, just just particularly applied to the the pipelines, um, less so to the actual learning science, of course. But like it was it was both a very heavy technology problem, and then and then you know as the technology started to prove itself, then it became a very heavy learning science problem, which is not which is, that's where I pulled on the experts you know of our team, you know Bob relationships like the that we've had and and just you know trying to to pull those two strings together. Mm -hmm. And Dana, you know, we, we created our own vision of what we thought learning was going to look like in 2035. Right. We, we just right. did that like in November. And when we wrote it, I remember thinking, well, I think it was, it was Ben on our team who was like, I think this is pretty aggressive for 2035. Like this is going to call for amazing advances in, in artificial intelligence. I don't think we're going to be there. And then like right. a month later, we're like, yeah, we might get to this by next year or a couple of years <laughs> from now. And so it was right about that time that that we called Kyle and we're like, so think about this is January, right? When uh, everybody's talking about chat GPT, chat and GPT yeah. right? Yeah. And so we called Kyle and we're like, hey, what's this, you know, what, what do you think about generative AI? You know, have you thought about it at all? And Kyle's like, yeah, not only have we thought about it, like we've got it all planned out. But the thing was, <laughs> is... Their vision, their vision for, I, I think you had it as like two, 23 question mark, uh, mm -hmm. right? And now it's like, yeah, we're going to get to that point by next year. Yeah, yeah. So it just happening so fast. Yeah, and I, I think the underlying premise that um, like roots, roots all of this from, from my perspective is if you go with the notion that um, you know, you look at any of those studies that are being put out about the number of skills that ultimately will be affected by, you know, the, the way we work once AI is in those workflows. So you go, okay, it's somewhere between, you know, 40 and 80% of all work that is, is, you know, all the best white papers have been written so far will have, will be affected. Right. And so if you go like, okay, that's the transformation problem. Um, wow. Uh, we can't really take a prescriptive learning approach to that problem. Um, you know, it's, it's like we're, you know, bringing a knife to a gunfight, you know? And so we have to get to something that's more, you know, generative in nature because of just the scale of transformation going on. So that was kind of the, that was a little bit of like the light bulb moment, like several years ago, which was like, yeah, that, 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 uh, that math equation is not going to balance. Bob and, and Kyle, you've, you've referred to this getting there fast. What, what's the there? that we're going to be getting to or that we're at? <laughs> well, on the work side or on the learning side? On the learning side. Um, so I think I think the there is is basically uh, what we just internally have been calling generative learning. So, you know, systems that detect or can be flagged for the issues in, in the business and essentially based on a, a corpus of, of company data and, and rules, uh, you know, parameters that are being put on by the learning team, um, a solution is generated. Uh, and whether or not there's actually somebody that reviews that before publish or it goes directly to an end learner, you kind of end up having this um, almost like self-healing system, hmm. you know. So, And it, of course, that's, that's um, maybe true in different modalities for different skills is the way I would put it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you know the way the way I see it, the what I would add to that is if you start combining that with a lot of different data and a lot of different data sources, and we'll fully admit this gets into privacy and people being comfortable with this and you know allowing it to happen. Yeah. Like if, if you're willing to let yourself be open to an intelligent agent like that, I believe it'll get to the point where it knows you probably better than you know yourself. And it knows, it might know what you need even more than you know what you need and be able to give it to you even before you know you realize it, right? So, you know, in, in our little vision, we've got the idea of this intelligent agent, like one of the aspects of it is it's an agent that will say, hey, you've got a meeting about this particular topic later this afternoon. I, I know you're not quite up to speed on that. Let me give you a refresher, uh, you know, in a little like two minute video to refresh you on on that topic that it would generate for you on the fly. It's uh, closely related. Did you guys see um, uh, Inflection.ai, which is uh, one of um, mm -hmm. Reed, Reed Hastings um, new company? And uh, they just raised a one point three billion dollar round and it's around having a personal AI. You know, it's it's all it's the consumer side of that. It's yeah. the same with saying as a consumer, I'm just gonna have a personal AI. Yes. Right. Now we're starting to get into her category. You know, the movie yeah. her, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um which has all sorts of problems with it. Well, let me let me ask you let me ask you this, Kyle. The the question I have, and i I'm always curious for those that have been pretty deep into this uh area for years. Um, you mentioned that you were you felt shocked or you still feel shocked, at least at the progression or the um, the speed at which things are. Was there any shock from, let's say, I think November when 3.5 well, GPT came out or even from the last six to eight months? Has there been any shock there or was it just more of a validation to what you were already thinking? I'm kind of curious from this past six to eight months of those that have been around it. What is it? Has it been like? Yeah, there has been. And, and I think it's all in, at least for me, it's in this kind of, um, there's a category of, I guess, unexpected second order effects that all of a sudden, like when an LLM works, it becomes kind of the key to unlock a ton of other things. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing that the, the actual, you know, human language, um, understanding the human language at the level that these models do is translating to all of a sudden being able to do crazy things in animation, you know, like, you know, uh, crazy things in um, completely kind of unrelated, you know, domains. Mm -hmm. It's not just about generating text. It's about, it, it literally becomes like the Rubik's cube to unlock a bunch of other use cases. And so the breakthroughs that you see it now, you're like, well, I wouldn't have expected an LLM to unlock that, but I guess once you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Cause the only thing it was missing was a way to describe you know, the just just essentially universally describe the problem. And so now that you can do that on the programmatically on the fly, you know, you know, people are applying it to a whole bunch of other things. And so that's the stacking, the second order stacking effect that I just see happening really fast. Yeah. And for those that haven't watched Secret Evasion yet, the beginning intro of the show is, is generated by AI. Mm -hmm. um, the whole animation is. And so that's the big question mark. Should, you know, of course people are like, well, should that have been done through that or should it have been done by an animator? But it is pretty interesting. The fact that, like you said, that was the, that didn't happen a year ago. That wasn't happening yeah. a year ago. And now we got intros already being generated. 
by that. Well, and, and whole like, uh, you know, photo reel film trailers, right? Have you guys seen the, Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. The Wes Anderson yep. take on star Wars. I mean, yeah. So Kyle, I, I haven't, first off, thank you for bringing up star Wars today. We have to do it. Every, <laughs> every episode. That was good. <laughs> um, I, Kyle, no, Kyle's also wearing obligatory black, which is often. A, yeah, exactly. Star Wars. Right. No, the, the guy who does those Wes Anderson trailers, um, is offering a class in AI filmmaking, which I signed up for. It actually starts tomorrow. Oh, wow. It starts tomorrow. Oh. It's it's an online self-paced class. But yeah, I, I'm taking it. I'm diving in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to do that. Yeah. I think it's it's incredible. We're gonna I think we're gonna see. Yeah, I was just talking to a, one of one of my 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 former life like deep colleagues in media entertainment. He's just saying, you know, how how does this all play out? Like, you know, we got writers striking, we've got, you know, obviously the actors strike potentially next week and you know, a lot of different things going on. Um I said, you know. You're gonna, there's gonna be a pocket of creators somewhere in the world that all of a sudden generates content that has such a high perceived value that you, you know, you just can't stop it from happening, is, is what I think is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna have, and, and, and within certain, like within Hollywood, right? Like they're gonna be extremely protective of copyright, IP, likeness, other things, and, and they're gonna try to be responsible about it. But, um, you know, it's interesting is, is, whether or not actual end viewers care, you know, like if right. somebody, if somebody ignores all of that in, you know, pick a country that's not, it's not the U S and, and make something, uh, and it's really good, you know, which it will be, it's like, are they gonna, you know, so it's gonna, at that point, it kind of becomes up to the platforms, right? Like is YouTube going to take that stuff down Is you know, is Disney going to, is Disney plus going to buy one of those? Like there's a whole bunch of, big hairy questions there that, you know, how does that stuff start to play out? Yeah. Cause there's a lot of hot takes right now about the secret invasion opening. You know, there's, there's a lot of people outraged and yeah. of course, of course, Disney did that. They're so cheap and money grubbing and, you know, they actually came out and were like, no, we, we, well, yes, yes, we're cheap and money grubbing, but also right. um, it was for the art of it. Right. I mean, it's like the whole, act of having an opening uh, animation sequence that's created by a computer is kind of parallel to what happens in the story of Secret Invasion. So what's curious, though, is like going back to your point, does the audience care? I remember when I actually actually watched it because I think in the first one, it didn't allow me to skip. I kind of I had watched it through and I was like, this is actually really cool. I really like the animation. And it wasn't until I didn't think about it. I did not think about how it was done or whatever until after I found out. So, yeah, I didn't think about it. I went and saw um, the new Spider-Verse movie on Father's Day, right? And if you haven't seen it, phenomenal, right? But, like, I remember sitting in the middle of that thing going, wow, this is what generative AI movies look like. It's like they have, like, three or four style transfers within a scene, and they make it work for the narrative arc. And, like, the level of creativity that is demonstrated in that film is is bananas right and so i'm just thinking and, and wow we talked about this even in the workshop right like one of the one of the interesting unlocks that i think we people don't fully understand yet is is we're going to see like a 10x on what people can do and we're really creative problem solvers and i and i looked at that movie and i was like i i putting my traditional hat on of of my old vfx and posts and other workflow mm-hmm. i was like i have no idea how this movie was made like it is there, there is 10 interesting incredibly difficult pipelines here in a single scene right you know and i'm like this is this is just bananas um and so i don't know i mean i, I mean that's the 
that's the other end of the spectrum, right? Is, is, is like, you know, we always go to the, the doomsday side, but you know, we're, we're pretty resilient uh, creatures. We find ways to do some pretty amazing new things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's the, I, to me, that's the fun part of this next, you know, 12 months is that we're going to start to see some of those. We're already seeing them. I mean, the Wes Anderson trailer is a great example. Like nobody thought that was possible. And that was released like four days after the model, you know, right. That, that could even do that kind of thing. Hey, Kyle, talk a little bit about the cost quality time triangle, because we had a great yeah. conversation about that. So how, how do you see that? Cha- well, let's, actually, let's explain what that is. And then how yeah. do you see that changing? Yeah, so the we were, you know, the, the, the background, right, was like, we were going, so, so what? Like, what does this mean? How do we change our thinking around generative AI as part of the processes for learning content creation? But I think it, it applies even to what we were just talking about with, with just uh, creative expression. But, you know, the issue has always been this, this paradigm of I don't have enough time, I don't have enough money, or I, or I can't get to the quality I want. And it's just like, it's that age old, you know, pick two uh, statement, right? You, you can't have all three. And, and uh, I think this is just completely throwing that out the window, at least of, of our traditional measures. Obviously, right. we, also, we also have a, a strong appetite for increasing our bar. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, our standard of living, you know, like people complain, you're like, well, look back 20 years ago. It's pretty good. You know, like, yeah. But yeah, the idea was, is that 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 um, that triangle of measures was going to become different, quite different. Um, And so we had, you know, kind of played with the idea of and have been thinking about internally is, is what does that shift to? And we were saying, um, you know, relevance, priority and experience. Right. As the, as the three, the three new measures. So is it relevant to me, you know, with, for the problem I have right now, um, what's the priority of that? Uh, and then what's the ultimate experience? Um, and you're going to be trying to trading off those, those measures in, in determining like what and how you make things. Which is pretty amazing. And, and, you know, that also portends just a flood of really good content, right? Like there will be so many more candidates that are out there that are probably really good at meeting whatever you whatever need you have in that particular moment. So how do you filter the signal from the noise? Yeah. And the answer is going to be with an AI, right? Yeah. You know, and so it's like the the AI might uh, the AI might be creating it and the AI might be editing it down and weeding it out and getting it to the point where it's just absolutely perfect for you. I mean, one of the things that, um, you know, kind of naturally flows out of some of those assumptions is, is if relevance is truly an individualistic, you know, point in time, because it's possible that, that you get to an end state where like everything is generated for the specific relevant moment and the individual. And so that's another interesting kind of construct to start to think about, because we've never had that. We've always had to kind of uh, aggregate up, you know, cohorts or personas and then put some recommendation engine over the top to like filter that better for us. But those those are kind of like two eh answers to the ultimate problem. And so, I, you know, that, that's where I, that's where I, I get, to me, that's really fascinating, especially from a learning perspective, right? Because there's just so many um, uh, different needs uh, of how people learn or where they are in their journey. And so like, you know, if you can shift that curve, um, even, even, even slightly, but, but, you know, the one thing I keep thinking about with this whole technology space is the difference between slightly and like shifting it all the way is not that far. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah. That's the weird part a lot of the time. Since Bob's earlier comment, I've been envisioning a uh, personalized learning experience where Scarlett mm -hmm. Johansson teaches Bob how to do a macro in Excel. <laughs> I did see her driving around a, a convertible up in Santa Monica once. And I was oh, really? Like, oh, interesting. Scarlett? Yeah. I almost got run over by Steven Spielberg a couple of weeks ago in Santa Monica. Did I tell you that? <laughs> no. <laughs> it was great. It was such a it was such an LA moment, but like I was in a crosswalk and the guy was driving up and he was looking to see if he could make a ride on red and I was trying to cross the street and he didn't see me. So I was like trying to make eye contact with him and he's creeping up and then he sees me and goes, Whoa, sorry. And then I was like, <laughs> That's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> 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 it's like if he had actually hit me you know somebody was like oh if he hit me you would have been taken care of for life i'm like no i wouldn't because i would have been sitting there with a broken leg going thank you so much for everything you've done you've changed my life don't worry about it i'm fine <laughs> so um data i i was thinking though another thing that this is all pretending is really getting to learning in the moment of need right mm -hmm. Right. It, it was making me think it would be it would be great to have Bob and Khan and Kyle on a future episode to talk about learning in the moment of need. Does but does this inspire any thought with you about that? I think the personalization at the moment yeah. of need is is an element that's really challenging with the current technologies that are being used, uh, like you know the digital coaches that companies are producing. Um, but what, if you can add the personal, it, it's also usually. Um, a specific mode. Very often it's text, right? Yeah. But yep. with Gen AI, if you can have different modalities and it's personalized at the moment of need, I, I have a hunch and strictly a hunch, but that biologically it's going to impact the brain much deeper than anything mm -hmm. that we currently yeah. have. I, I yeah. agree. I, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, Bob, around mm -hmm. performance support. And if we think of the majority of performance support, and again, I'm just gonna say majority, it's probably too much of a uh, statement there, but when I do think of performance support and I've seen it done, it's often what's the specific moment in time that someone needs some type of content information or something to form some body of knowledge for themselves. So like, and sometimes it's like a job aid or a, like, a ta like you're doing this task, what do you need to help you solve this specific task? So it's usually give you some type of bit of information. What I find fascinating or what I think is a ton of potential to Dana, what you're saying, it's stuff beyond the text. So uh, more reflect, well, reflective moments is like, it, it, could something prompt me to, this is the moment when you should be reflecting and processing what you're thinking and yeah. what you're doing. Is this the moment for, hey, I'm sensing you're not making much progress. Um, there's not much mm -hmm. progress being made from like a progression uh, learning development standpoint, maybe this is the moment for situated practice. And then there's a, a like a moment where I can use a simulation, whether or not it's a text-based or a non-text-based, you could think of multiple ways to simulate, but something that gives me a simulated practice in that moment of need, rather than just relying so much on content. That's to me is the, where I see a yeah. ton of potential yeah. on it. And a while back when we did that research, um, we, Kyle, we did some research, it was probably three years ago, on what we thought learning would look like in the future. And this was different than the one Bob's talking about. And one of the things that we concluded was, one of the findings, we labeled it as work-learn fusion, which oh, yeah. is, uh, it's learning the flow of work, but the huge differentiator was 
the amount of data that you would have access to that would influence exactly what that learning moment would be. Mm-hmm. And you know, to Jake's point, it would be, uh, you, you may not know that you need a learning moment, but the system would because there would be data monitoring you. And it would also know what your preferences are and what your background is, which would allow all that personalization. And so, you know, we, we had a vision of that, but we didn't quite really understand how it would shape up. And I think it, what we're talking about today is how it's shaping up. Yeah. 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 I think you've seen, um, uh, you guys have probably seen, I don't know if, if everybody on the podcast listening has seen, but like, have you seen the um, GPT-4 integration with Khan Academy? Yes. I heard about yeah. it. I haven't, yeah. Done, yeah. I haven't tried it, but the yeah, Con I heard Neo. about it. Yep. Kind yeah. Of mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just amazing. Right. Because yeah. it's, doing, it's doing what you're saying, Dana, but it's taking it two steps further, which it's like, eh, nice try. You're trying to cheat, but I'm going to turn that into a teachable moment. Right. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, you know, like, again, you know, it's, it's kids, mostly a lot of kids going through lessons and trying to kind of skip ahead or whatever. But instead of allowing that, the, 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 the Conmigo or the tutor, right. The, the digital, the LLM tutor is like using those, ways um to come in and and kind of uh, personalize the actual learning but then also um you know turn essentially turning cheating or, or attempts at cheating into teachable moments yeah, yeah. So instead of giving the answer it turns it into a socratic session that's yeah right. yeah exactly yeah. yeah that's amazing yeah there's a great uh uh Khan, there's a great uh ted talk on that yes yeah, yeah. yeah. highly recommend to watch yeah, yeah. So, hey, we're, we're getting close to the end of the time. Kyle, before we let you go, uh, you know, one thing that you and I have talked about a couple of times over the years, but we haven't had a chance to debrief on it, is uh, the Apple headset, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we were talking over the last couple of years, like, oh, when Apple comes out with something, they always change the market. I, I'm curious what you think after the announcement of the Vision Pro, like, you know, did, are they going to change the market with that? What do you, what do you guys think? They, um, I think they will. Um, it, you know, it's really interesting because what they did is they, you know, they positioned it, you know, pretty, you know, pretty night and day versus kind of what's been going on in the the immersive market so far within the XR market so far. They they said this is a, this is a computer replacement. That's right. that's what I saw them say, right? And as soon as you go into this is a computer replacement, um, you know, there's a lot of paradigms that that go along with that. So the one one thing was they said this is a computer replacement. You don't use controllers on a computer. You know, so we're going to do, it's going to be speech, it's going to be vision, and it's going to be very easy, simple, intera- you know, gesture interaction, mm-hmm. right? So all the design paradigms kind of like s- scaffold down from that. And a- another thing that was, you know, is, is kind of like really directly relevant to what we were just talking about is as a computer replacement, um, you know, you can run multiple applications at the same time versus uh, most of your VR headsets today are more like a game console. So you can run one application, yep. you know? Yep. So now all of a sudden, this concept of having your personal learning agent that's sitting there that you can like lean, look, like look over and call up and say, hey, how did I do on that call? Right. Like that type of stuff becomes really real, right? Mm-hmm. Like we could do that on that headset next year. Um, obviously, the visual fidelity and a lot of the things they did in terms of just how much compute they're packing into it um, mean that, that we're going to actually be able to deliver, you know, a, just a completely different level of experiences on that device versus the others. Um I think the biggest, the biggest, I th- uh, the simplest and biggest thing was like, this is a computer replacement. Mm-hmm. This is an all day computer replacement. That's what this is. Um, and, uh, and obviously that's not been something that we've really been able to be put forth by anybody else. Um, and the fact that they have the, you know, they have such a, a rich ecosystem of developers and applications that they can just kind of pull into that story. 
you know, day one, you're going to have you know, thousands of applications on that device that have some unique way of operating because they're in a, on a Vision Pro versus on your laptop. So I think that'll be, I think, I think as soon as people get their heads, hands on that, we're just going to have a wave of videos where like, oh, Trello's not like Trello anymore or, you know, yeah. whatever the app is, um, which will be really interesting to see. All right. Well, we are about at the end of our time frame. Anybody else have anything else? Jake, you, you look like you're ready to. Ask I, I did, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to <clears> disrupt <throat> or go too long. I was going to ask for one final thing, or maybe a couple final things, Kyle Bond. Yeah. With people that are listening, what's some advice that you would give them around learnings that people can do to accelerate their own, yeah. not just knowledge, but really start to implement and use and test some of these things? I I think the the aha. You know, the, the, or the, the kind of like consistent way to unlock the, the aha moment, and, and, and there's several different ones, right, is you have to kind of go after a project that you think is like untenable. Like, there's no way I can do this. Let me just start trying to break it down. Like, I'll, I'll take I'll take an example that I'd actually do with my with my dad when he was out visiting. He's like, I want to buy a restaurant in, in Iowa where we grew up, and I want to model whether or not it actually be feasible for me to buy and run this small restaurant in this small town and write a business plan around it and do some analysis. Mm-hmm. And, and literally, we sat on the patio hanging out, and I used multiple models to walk backwards to the point where within about 25 minutes, we had proved that at least in that particular set of circumstances, it was probably viable. But we had a business plan and we had an explanation of the gap that we had to cover. Wow. And some suggestions on how we might cover it. Unbelievable. Uh, to make it all possible. Right. And so, like, until you go down the rabbit hole, until you get out of like, oh, I'm generating an image, you know, and you go down the rabbit hole on something really big and challenging, you know, it's hard to kind of get the full, the full, like the totality of, of what's going on. Yeah. So I would say pick something like just seemingly impossible and like spend a day trying to solve it. Because even if you don't get anywhere, you'll still be like, oh, now I start to understand the nuances of these different tools and how, you know, how they can be, you know, stacked. Like we do a lot of tool stacking, yeah. Uh, yeah. chaining. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that's the thing that uh, once you, once, and it's almost like it doesn't, it almost doesn't matter. Just don't pick something trivial. Pick something really that you didn't think you could ever solve. Yeah. yeah. And something yeah. that means something to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, yeah. I love that. I think because like you said, I think when, it's so easy to go down the simple path of, oh, just go go try a an image model or go try you know one of the GPT models or something very simple. Yeah. But then again, not simple, but you know something that you only see in that that instance. But try something a problem, and then figure out how would you actually get there. I love that. I've been I've been doing that game with with friends. You know, like we'll be we'll be literally sitting at a restaurant. So tell me something you haven't been able to solve. You really like what you'd really want to solve. Well, I have this. I want to extend my porch, but like I have these problems and, and we'll sit there and we'll, we'll literally, you know, solve for it and then visualize it in like, you know, 20 minutes on your uh, phone, right? On your phone. Yeah. yeah. On my phone, yeah. you know, while, while having cocktails brought to the table, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like that. It, that's that. I feel like that's the thing where people just go, Whoa, okay. This is a, this is a different beast than what I was thinking in the news. Right. It's a whole new world folks. Well, with that, we'll draw this to a close. Kyle, thanks for being here. Uh, good luck with your move. Next time yeah. I talk to you, you'll probably be in Singapore. So right. hope that all moves smoothly. And uh, have a happy holiday weekend. Dana, Jake, thank you very much. Yeah, and, and this thank is you. the close yeah. of season five. It is. Wow. I almost forgot to mention, yes, this is the finale for season five. So we're going to take our hopefully well-earned summer break a little bit, and we'll be back yep. with 
season six. We've been doing this for five years already, guys. Yeah, wow. I know. Congrats, guys. Kyle, when we, thank you. when we talked about it, Kyle, we said every uh, going into the 4th of July holiday, there's good fireworks. So every finale has to have a, a bang. There so we you're, go. You're, you're the fireworks for our season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. So nobody, no, nobody's been harmed in the in the act. <laughs> no. Yeah. no wildfires and yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, hopefully not. Well, thank you to you, our listeners, and uh, I'm half the rest of my learning geeks. This is Bob saying we'll see you on the next episode. And until then, stay geeky, my friends. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Take Thanks, care. everybody.